Welcome to episode 313 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that is not too proud to beg. Apparently, we're a bunch of beggars on this show. I love it. We're going to beg, borrow, and steal your attention with one of the best interviews I've done in a long time. I'm not even going to introduce them because I hear I get redundant when I introduce people. I think you're really going to enjoy this take on the pinball hobby from one of the best distributors in the hobby. And I really love probably the final 10 minutes of this interview when he actually challenges me and my point of view on who I think is buying these pinball games. And I loved it because I think I learned a lot from what he had to say. And it changes some of my perspective on this pinball hobby. So I know I I read a lot of you guys always trying to sort of give your opinions about my passion behind pinball. I think it's real. I think a lot of you can relate to my point of view on this hobby. Uh, But I also think when you learn more about this hobby from people who actually sell the pinball machines to people out there, uh, you can't help but grow and change a little bit your opinions about pinball. So I I, I did enjoy uh, hearing what he has to say. So I'm just going to air this interview. Uh, It's a great one. And I'm going to be back to you maybe at the end of it with some opinions and some thoughts on what we talked about. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you all know him as one of the greatest pinball distributors to walk the face of the earth, Joe Newhart from Pinball Star. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, Chris, that's a great intro. I like that one. Thank you. I'm going to start giving people the, the most glowing introductions. You know, I have to do all I can to get people back on the show, it seems. I, I don't think so. I think you've had a lot of great guests lately. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. And Joe, the reason I wanted to have you back on, it's been a while. We're, we're now in, what is it, February, mid-February pretty much of 2019. You're a distributor. You're looking out into the pinball landscape for 2019. What kind of year do you think it's going to be? I think it's actually going to be a pretty good a pretty good year. Um, you know, it, it's... It, we're kind of in the middle of a what I think is going to be quite a long lull at this point uh, in the winter months because there's really not, you know, Stern just came out with Monsters. That was the most recent release. And uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of reveals of significance until mid-year and uh, then maybe some more later in the year. So I, I think a lot of the companies have announced what they're going to announce and you know, even from a sales perspective with Pinball Star, it's it's a little bit of an odd, you know, uh, situation where a lot of the games are starting to ramp up that were already announced. Um, you know, we got Oktoberfest that's going to start shipping hopefully at the end of this month. I, I'm talking to Joe Balser uh, a couple times in the past week, so they're they're going to be getting ready to go very soon. Uh, Spooky is starting to ship Alice Cooper. We got uh, the first of those going out very shortly. Uh, my first customers. And uh, Jersey Jack is still plugging away with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and uh, we should see some new stuff. I know you're going to be asking about that. And, uh, you know, Monster Bash is shipping a little bit slowly, more slowly than expected. But, uh, you know, that's shipping, so we're not going to see anything new coming from them. Uh, I think Spooky is going to have a whole year of production on Alice Cooper. And, uh, obviously, Scott Denise's game is going to be, you know, in development for you know, the near future. And I don't exactly know when that's going to be revealed, but I wouldn't expect that to be towards the end of the year. You know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. 
Uh, Chicago Gaming won't see anything new from them for a while, since Monster Bash will will dominate most of this year, I would think, and some of the reruns of Medieval and Attack. Uh, we're going to see some stuff from coming from Jersey Jack. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be as quick as some people may think it is. Right. Uh, maybe they'll surprise us, but. Uh, all right, well, let's yeah. talk, Joe. Let's talk about this in sort of like the order of what you've been talking about. So, sure, you, let's you, ta- you, we, we have no agenda, so you, yeah, uh, and we, we never do. Um, so uh, the, let's talk about Oktoberfest. So, the end of this month is when you're thinking, uh, that could be shipping. Now, are they going to reveal sort of like this is the final, final, final version of the game? You know, I didn't ask that question. I know there's been changes to artwork. Uh, I know there's been some changes to some of the mechanics, nothing really major, just maybe some geometry and, and uh, you know, fit and finish type of things. Um, I, I'm sure when everything is finalized, they're going to say, you know, here's some professional pictures and here's the layout of exactly what we're, you know, what we're producing versus what was shown at Expo. Um, you know, it's a good question. I, I well, know, we saw they, they definitely released new cabinet artwork. So we we saw the changes right. there. We saw the changes to the back glass. They took the monkey off. Yeah, what are your thoughts just, on the monkey? The monkey, I think, is a bunch of, and I don't I don't usually curse on your uh, on your uh, on your podcast, but I think the monkey was just the whole thing was a bunch of horseshit. Um, I think the monkey's funny. Uh, I do get that the monkey doing what the monkey was doing was maybe not you know, politically correct in this environment. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with losing the monkey, but the monkey is, the monkey's funny. Let's face it. The monkey is part of American pinball. Uh, he's kind of like their unofficial mascot. Uh, I wish he was still on the back glass. Uh, I do understand that, you know, doing what he was doing was not. Where, where did know, they get this mascot? Is, is it inspired by John Papadouk's <laughs> work there? Or like, where? No, you know, here's the here's the story with the monkey, and I'm surprised you don't know. It was on Houdini, the, right? Yeah, he was on Houdini, but you know, and I never knew the story. And one day, I, you know, I I see that they made the T-shirts with, you know, the monkey with little bandages across his private parts, and you know, t- and to make a T-shirt, you know, I I asked Joe Bosser. I said, Joe, what's what's with the monkey? I said, you know, it's funny and all, and he's a character on the game, but you know, is he that integral of a character to the theme to make it, you know, make him with a t-shirt? He said, you don't know about the monkey. He goes, we, we don't tell anybody, but since you're asking, I'm going to tell you. And he said that, uh, you know, we've been very, uh, adept to making sure that we're very historical with a lot of little nuances with Houdini and the history of Houdini, uh, on the game. There's a lot of little references that only, you know, maybe Houdini fans or people that research Houdini would know about. And he said the thing with the monkey, he said Houdini was a kind of a crazy guy. And Houdini had this thing in his head that if there was something with monkey testicles, that if you ate them or extracted something from them, I I don't want to venture what, but that they would make a man, you know, more. uh, What's the word? Give me help me out here, Chris. More. uh, um, you know, more, more successful more with sexually, the ladies, I guess. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So more, more, so there was something that, vitality the, the, and... yeah, vitality. That's the word that, you know, there was something with monkeys, uh, testicles that Houdini actually adhered to and believed. And there's rumors that he actually had used, you know, 
monkey parts. It's like ancient uh, Viagra was monkey exactly. testicles. That must be what it is. So, you know, the guys, Jeff Bush and the artists and the guys that when they were developing you know, American pinball, just that, that that was a really neat historical little quirk that probably most people don't know. And they put it in the artwork of the monkey with tape on his privates and then you know to make a little bit more fun out of it they you know they did a, a run of some t-shirts with you know they put the girls that are on the slingshots on the t-shirts on one set of t-shirts and they put the monkey on another so you know we all internally had kind of a laugh uh about the monkey and it was you know funny that you know and if, and we never told anybody the story i think it was kind of a thing even with people from american pinball they never told anyone the story that didn't ask, but if somebody asked, then they would share it. So putting the monkey right. on Oktoberfest was just, you know, for the people that knew the joke was kind of funny. And then I guess, you know, obviously it they kind they, of backfired a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they, they took it a little bit too far. But, you know, to their credit, it, it was, uh, you know, nothing's ever final on a prototype. And, and they did react very quickly right. once there was, uh, you know, some backlash from it and, and removed it. And, Joe, and hold on, it. hold on one sec. Oh, we're going to go back to that one section. My food just arrived. I'm just going to grab oh. it and then put it on the table and then we're going to get right back on. Hold sure. on. Just, I'll be right back. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> All right. So the monkey gets put on the back glass of Oktoberfest, but, you know, sort of derails the conversation a little bit. I agree that I didn't find it like so offensive. It did. It did spark a conversation within the pinball world, Joe, that it's sort of like this underlying current of like most of the hobbies, men, it's older men. They're a little bit of a boys club. How many pinball machines do you sell to women a year? I'm just curious. Well, let me, let me, there, there's probably two parts to that question. Uh, games that I sell to women that I'm only interacting with the women is actually on the rise, uh, to the point that it's now probably a few a month. Whereas, you know, if we go back five years, um, it was zero and it could be zero an entire year, uh, probably over the last two years, it's, it's, I've noticed, and I've noticed it's been a little bit of a steady increase where, I'm, I'm dealing with, um, you know, women start to finish. It's not a wife calling for their husband. Um, you know, there may be a husband involved or a family situation, but, uh, there, there's a number of them. And the second part of that question. So I, I do think that there's a lot of women and females, which is a great thing that are getting into the hobby on their own accord, not being pushed into it by their husbands or boyfriends. Uh, and then the other part of it is just the growth of the hobby, um, becoming, you know, opening up to be more family oriented, uh, and people looking to put, you know, and they may not be pin side followers. They're not going to be people that are going to buy and follow every release, but there are people that if they see a theme where, you know, now with the emergence of barcades and, and pinball machines getting out there in the wild again, which is, which is also great. We're getting people that really probably had no interest in pinball a few years ago now getting involved. And a lot of those sales, because they are probably more family driven activities versus, you know, a guy wanting to be uh, you know, a pinball fanatic or being in tournaments, it's more of a family activity with kids involved. I spend a lot of time talking to new people in the hobby and I really love these conversations and I, I thrive on, 
you know, when somebody says this is my first game. And I just love going through all the different titles, all the different price points, explaining the ones that are good, the ones that maybe won't work for them. I try to take their temperature if they like certain themes, you know, are they into, uh, you know, superhero themes or are they into something for the kids, which means, you know, maybe Wizard of Oz would be a great appealing theme to them. Uh, so I enjoy that kind of stuff. And I do find uh, a lot more women not just as single buyers, but also more involved in the conversation and the, de- and the decision-making process with the husband, um, you know, as right. a family purchase. Um, for, and for the new, hobby's, gro- the hobby's newbies, growing. For newbies, Joe, is, is theme just king in terms of what they're looking for? Because obviously when you're new, you, you don't really understand code or depth of code. And you might not even understand how to feel what game shoots right for you right because you don't have enough experience shooting a lot of different pins so do they normally gravitate towards a theme that just that they can relate to i i think so yes uh a lot of times people and i'll never try to convince somebody to move away from a particular theme that they come to me with first but you know if they do seem inquisitive about what else is out there because sometimes people call me and say uh, you know, I played, I, I don't even want to name a game because it doesn't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking so, uh, somebody well, out let's of something. Let's say a but family comes in and is like, and I know, I, I, I don't think you distribute Stern, right? Well, it, I'll pick one. I'll pick, because I had a recent example, it, you know, Star Wars. And somebody will say, oh, I, you know, we played the Star Wars game or we're Star Wars fans or things like that. And I'll try, you know, not to dissuade them from a Star Wars, but more so, you know, I'll send them an email that lists all the products we sell, all the different companies that are out there, all the different types of games. I'll ask them where they're located at. I'll try to locate a barcade or better yet, uh, if it's a family type purchase, you know, try to find, uh, you know, someplace like a sunshine market in New York city or modern pinball or in Philadelphia pinball gallery and ask them to go. And these guys have a lot of the you know, the new games that are out, you could play games from Stern, you could play games from Jersey Jack Pinball, you could play Houdini, for example, uh, you could play the remakes and kind of see what, you know, suits you best. And it's really across the board. We get a lot of people that decide that the Stern games are maybe because of theme is something that they like. Uh, we get probably a majority of the people that tend to gravitate towards the Jersey Jack games because when they do play them they they see the difference in terms of the lcd screen and and that's really a big draw um you know whether it is or not for the pinball community but having a fully integrated lcd screen with you know uh, scoring and videos and really a good utilization of it and taking up so much real estate on the back glass that's an attention getter and it 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 makes people you know especially newbies say wow pinball is different than what i remember it being or or what i expect it to be isn't it just Um, easier to tell them star wars sucks take my word for it well i i i tell them that you know i'm kind of joking not joking at the same time no 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 (laughs) pinball sucks let's you know we it, you know, I mean, have one you way played or WWE? But there are, but there's better games. You know, I, there's Star Wars. Maybe isn't a game that I, I think is going to keep someone's interest being new to the hobby. Like when I sell a newbie a game, I want them to love it. I want their friends to come over and I want their friends to buy games. I want them to be, you know, moreover from a non-selfish perspective. I want them to be happy with their purchase, and I don't want them buying maybe a game like Star Wars that just what I I think isn't the best play field layout 
ever made and, and the best shooting game. I want them to play something, whether it's a Stern or, 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 or whether it's a, a remake, you know, and I'll go through all that. I'll say, listen, you can get a remake and these remakes are the top three games, uh, top three rated games ever made. But in the same respect, they're also 20 year old games. So it's interesting. Jack. It's interesting. Joe seeing like some of the early criticism of the monster is that it's too easy for a lot of the guys who are experienced pinball players. But to your point, if you're a family and you're looking to get your first pin, I think that's it's always been hard to put people on machines that aren't too difficult. Because I think, too, like when you have some games where it's just the shots are too hard, it's going to be really frustrating for a Star Wars fan to blow up the Death Star and you show them that cool hyperloop when you, you can't even really like get to it. You know, you have to be a pretty experienced player to, to get that deep into the game and hit those kind of shots consistently. But let's talk about American Pinball and today's news, which were four new titles that they've registered for. I want to get your opinion on what you think about them. How's that sound? That's that's fine. I did see that. I actually did talk to Joe Balser today, and we did not even discuss that. I forgot all about it, and uh, I hadn't known about any of that. Prior. Well, as, a, as a distributor, and I'm not saying that they're they're a thing or they're not a thing because I, right. I honestly just don't know. But uh, I know I remember Sherlock Holmes. I did see the uh, this weekend pinball pinball blast this morning. So we got, you're gonna have to refresh my which, memory with the other ones. Yeah, as a distributor, which one of these excites you? And, and when you're thinking about like what you think people will get most jazzed to buy, so we got Sherlock Holmes, we got Poker Run, we've got Valkyrie, and we've got Robin Hood. And by the way, oh, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay, because I thought I thought I lost you. Uh, and by the way, I learned today too that Sherlock Holmes is an open IP. So this is like a sort of like Houdini, where anyone right can kind of right up the rally. Yep. Um, can you explain to me? And I know, explain to me Valkyrie. So Valkyrie, and... yeah, Valkyrie are. Do you ever see? Um, I believe they're in the Thor movies, but they are the female warriors. And I believe they have wings, and I, I want to say they ride on horses. And they are sort of powerful warriors that enter the battlefield, and, and they are like, they determine who lives and dies on the battlefield. So if you if you Google image, image search of Valkyrie, I think that is what you'll come up with. And I think they are part of the Odin-Thor sort of mythology. So we're we're looking at a okay. sort of like that sort of theme. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna table that one as my lowest choice only because I'm if if it's something and I'm not saying I know everything, but if I'm not readily familiar with it, I'm not sure that a lot of people would and we're for talking theme, uh recognition is gonna be the first thing. So uh right. if, if you're asking my personal opinion, that would be one uh because I'd have to Google it that I, I would be a little bit of a head scratcher on that one. Um, Robin Hood, I'm going to go bottom to top. Um, Robin Hood. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem exciting. Does it? I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel like maybe John Papaduke, uh, gave them that idea because he built a career uh, in stealing from the rich. <laughs> he stole from me. So maybe, well, yeah, I agree. I mean, Robin Hood, it, it could be fun. It's just, I just feel like we've had so many bad Robin Hood movies over the years and interpretations of it that I I don't feel like it's 
carried over in a contemporary way that's very exciting uh so yeah i i it doesn't excite me i, I just I, I know it's not but it kind of sounds fairy taleish. i know right. it's not a fairy tale but it's more literature and but uh no nah, it just doesn't have an excitement value to me um and what, what was I, I know sherlock holmes yeah then we got uh, we got sherlock holmes and then poker run which Po- cards are confusing enough for people then combine them with pinball which is really confusing and so I, I think there's been you know I don't mean to be shitting on all three of them but um, I, I think that has promise because it could be a fun aspect in terms of achievement of you know cars or motorcycles and poker hands and stuff but in the same respect you know when I think of that I think there's been so much uh, cards and poker and and card cars and cards and poker uh, done in various iterations on pinball throughout, you know, uh, pinball back to the run? 1940s. A poker, does a poker run imply there's some automotive element? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, like a race. You know, you always see organizations do charity things where they'll do a poker run, whether it's for, you know, uh, classic cars or mo- more likely than not, a lot of times it's it's motorcycles. And what will happen is people will go from one location to another, not necessarily a race, but you know, there could be a racing aspect to it. And when they arrive at each different destination, they receive a, a playing card. And then at the end of the race, they try to assemble the best poker hand. And I'll, I mean, I may be Uh-oh. full of shit okay. and not know what I'm talking no, about, no. but I mean, because sounds... I've never done one, but I think that's what it's like. I think the concept would be interesting if during the game you're collecting things and, there's a, you know, but again, it's still playing cards and poker and that's been, you know, done. Right. And that's Bubba barking in the background, listener of the show. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with him. I just gave him some water. So hopefully he will settle down and enjoy this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, I'm going to go pet him real quick while we talk, Joe. So, okay. So poker run. So you're saying your favorite is, is then Sherlock Holmes. I, I think of the four, it would be, you know, most recognizable, similar to Houdini. And, you know, I think they could make, which they really did a nice job on Houdini with the steampunk type of, uh, of theming to it. You know, they made the artwork really cool. And I think they can create character, you know, not that they're going to create different characters, but they can make the Sherlock Holmes characters, you know, maybe unique in some manner with artwork or, you know, humor or the, the, the tasks that they're trying to complete or the mysteries they're trying to solve. And I think there's a possibility there to make a game where the rules and the tasks of the game can be storyline based, which I always enjoy. I think, you know, a lot of us think back to, you know, the games of the nineties that were really good. Um, you know, there's, there's some storylines to them, which I think has been missed a lot with more recent games where the, you know, the, aspect or the focus is strictly on here's a theme and we're going to make a ramp and this ramp is going to be this character from the movie this ramp is going to be another character this outlane is going to be called you know i mean you look at something like x-men you know every you know and it's common with most games you know every shot is a character and it's not really a storyline that you're working through and you know if they do something creative which i think american pinball does a good job with they did a great job with houdini sharing the history of Houdini and, and making the tricks and different things that he did in his historical stuff, you know, part of the game. Um, I think there's an aspect of that, 
for Sherlock Holmes. I mean, would it be my first choice for a pinball machine? You know, maybe not. But I, I think with a little creative creativity, it, it can continue to be, you know, American pinball making these games and not just sticking a theme on it. And then you can slap different artwork on any different game. Um, you know, it, it's right. a new game, whereas they're kind of a little bit more creative with that aspect. So, right. Uh, now, do you think we'll see a, a game three reveal in 2019 or are they going to be pretty much, you know, all hands on deck, just making Oktoberfest throughout the year? Uh, I, I think we'll see another reveal. I, I could tell you that Joe shared with me. I mean, I'm not sharing any information and I don't think it'd be any surprise. It was a little bit of a surprise to me that this early in the game, but uh, Joe told me today he's already working on number three and, and number four in different aspects. So, um, you know, the, the design process starts, you know, much earlier than the game gets revealed. I, I would think that that process in terms of thinking of the theme and starting to lay out and then starting to get the programming people to think about, you know, rules and concepts and stuff like that has, has to start 18 months before they get to a point of actually having a reveal probably, you know, six months later, they've got a white wood and maybe no artwork. And then six months after that, they probably got some artwork and a, you know, a mock-up of a play field that they can probably flip. And then, you know, you go 18 months out and all of a sudden they've got some prototypes and finished artwork and a game to be revealed. So I think it's conceivable that, you know, Joe's working on, um, you know, number number three right now, uh, fairly in deep, and probably working on some basic things with the one after that. Having having seen Oktoberfest and Houdini now, what what's the one area you you think they could use improvement on moving forward as they as they go into games three and four? Uh, improvement. Okay. Um, integration you know this is a hard one for me because i think they do a really good job like when i talk to customers i guess i'll always go back to this piece of what i do every day um i think jersey jack has the best handle on integration of the lcd screen with the activity on the play field um meaning that the lcd screen is reacting to what's going on during the game and if people want to look up or people that are watching are watching the game you know they'll see things going on on the screen, whether it's scoring being highlighted or whether it's video clips or sounds. Um, I know that's not, you know, associated with the LCD screen, but animations maybe, you know, really being reactive to what's going on in the play field. And I think that's the beauty of the LCD screen. It's not just, and I'm going to pick on Stern here, and, and, and I'm only picking on some of their first iterations with an LCD screen. You know, you take Aerosmith, you know, you got the cartoonish band members, you know, bouncing back and forth, and that's their LCD animation. Now, obviously, with games like Iron Maiden and with Deadpool, you know, they've blown those out of the water, and, and the you know, it's now more active and integrated either with the game or more, you know, uh, original um, than the earlier ones. Star Wars was just basically video clips with scores superimposed on top of it. For American Pinball, I think they fall in the middle of those two. I think American Pinball does a really good job of integrating um, for their first game, whereas it took Stern a few games with the LCD screen to actually utilize it properly. I think American Pinball did a really good job with that up front. Uh, I do, however, feel that some of their animation work, not maybe not the animation work, but maybe integrating it is a little clunky and slow. Um in terms of 
you know, and I know this was a criticism of Houdini that a lot of the animations stopped gameplay and you had to watch. And I know, you know, you, you can flip the, you can hit the two flipper buttons and bypass stuff, but um, they have to evolve that a little bit better with Oktoberfest uh, so that the animation, it doesn't become the focus and it becomes a, a snippet that happens really quick. And then you're, you're back to the game or the game never gets interrupted. That would be, you know, my only you know, not necessarily criticism, but something that I think has to evolve. And that evolution happens from with a company from one game to the next. I just mentioned about Stern with Star Wars and Aerosmith and how, you know, they were the way they were on those games. And then they evolved to be, you know, better. You look at Jersey Jack. I tell people all the time, all the time when, you know, they're looking at, you know, the evolution, evolution of the Jersey Jack games, you look at the Wizard of Oz, which is an amazing game. We can't keep them in stock. I can't wait for them to rerun them again so we could sell them. You know, this is eight years later. This game is such a home run sales-wise that uh, because of the theme and because of the game. But when you look at the animations, it's rudimentary. You know, it's here's the scores. we got four quadrants. Here's the scores, and here's the scoring quadrants of what's going on on the game. And then when we want to show a video, we're going to take that away, and then we're going to show a video. And then you just see the simple thing they did with with um, Hobbit, whereas you have the you know the beehive thing in the center that is always showing videos, and then you've got the scoring on the exterior. And then obviously with dialed in, it took another evolution because that was, you know, there, there wasn't really movie clips or things to use there. You know, they created their own SimCity and the scores are integrated along with that. And when I say things like um, integrated with the gameplay, you know, when a mo- when you shoot the phone and you get alien invasion or you get acid rain and you have to shoot things on the play field, when you shoot something on the play field, you're going to see the reaction in terms of the meteors coming down or the acid rain falling on the LCD screen. And that is a true integration of the gameplay and the usage of the well, LCD I, I screen. I guess the question I have, though, because I, 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 I've had this conversation with people many times is, but who's watching that? When you're busy keeping your ball alive, playing the pin, and I do, I, I do see it happening, right? But I'm always curious. There's only so much time you can look up. And there is so much emphasis happening now on the screens that I'm like, is this just meant for people who are watching someone plays enjoyment? No, no. and and you know you haven't owned a Jersey Jack, so you maybe haven't gotten you so know a it, lot of, all... a lot of time to play the game, and you you kind of train yourself to keep sneaking those peaks up or if you want to watch a video clip i'll find myself playing the game and if i know i started a mode i i want to watch you know if i made the ramp that makes the ass of rain you know fall i'll peek up quick and watch that or i'm i'm looking for scoring right. stuff um so no are you watching it the whole time of course not because the game is in the play field but there is there is a manner that you'll start to play the game and you you get used to looking up at certain times and it's not just when you know a ball gets locked and and you have time to do that there will be time during gameplay that if you make a long orbit shop maybe you'll peek up real quick and it's it's not that you're distracting yourself from the game it just becomes a natural part of playing the game you're, right. you're you know you've got two things to look at is it your main focus no but i think when you own um y- you know a game with an lcd screen where it's integrated like that even if it's houdini 
um, there's a there's a part of you that over time playing the game, you kind of learn to share where your eyes are. Okay. Now, I, you know, I want to earn a, I want to own, I want to earn, I want to also own a Jersey Jack machine, and I'm excited. I, I think you will this year. I'm excited for the titles. So let's I, talk. Let's talk about JJP. So, um, first question is, how's Pirates selling? Pirates is actually doing very well. I mean, I'll be honest. Last year was, uh, you know, last year was kind of a shit show with, uh, you know, the the spinning disc and the delay. It was hard, and and you know, it, it's it was hard for the company, it's hard for the distributors, and it was hard for you know the owners of the game and the buyers to have to wait that long. And some of the excitement, everybody knows. I mean, some of the excitement, you know, dissipated and and went to other titles, and it felt like the the game was already out and it wasn't even out yet. Um, so we had some lulls in the action and, you know, some people that decided other games were, they wanted something sooner than later. And we had some cancels and we had a lot of people that came back to Hobbit or I'm sorry, back to pirates of the Caribbean. Once it was, uh, revealed, um, when it was in production and starting to ship, obviously we get a really big uptick from that because it's real right, and it's, it's visible and, People can get it, maybe not readily available, but people did want to get in line. Uh, the really good thing is that the sales have been really consistent, um, very much like, you know, and I don't know that I, I've seen this with The Hobbit or Dialed In. Uh, the Wizard of Oz was the same thing. It was very, once it, you know, you've got that initial excitement of of the regular buyers that are going to buy it either a pre-order or the second group of regular buyers that are going to buy it when it's in production. Uh, I think the key of a success of a game is after those two groups are satisfied, uh, who are the people that just end up deciding that it's a good game and want to buy it? And that's like the third way. The third way for has been very good. Um, do you wish you know, Jack actually, would have held back and, and given dialed in more of a runway? Because I think he was right about to catch that third wave. Yeah. And it was I mean, like, I, here's I, the next I, one, guys. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. yeah, we really want it, not knowing it would be a year wait. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it really – I mean, I could tell you my opinion at the time. Uh, yeah, I, I was arguing against revealing uh, – pirates and it had nothing to do with thinking that there was going to be the delay there was because none of us expected that or knew that at the time but it was more so from a sales perspective we're cannibalizing you know dialed in which is exactly what you just said that the game is just going to start getting legs now that ended up not happening because of the delay with pirates you know dialed in still had the floor for a longer time than than we anticipated um but the sales of pirates have been good i mean it's i, I over the weekend i was i just happened to you know, be looking at some of my orders for the last month or two and they were, they've been strong and they're consistent, you know, every week we're getting new people, the more, and that's, what's going to happen is as the game gets out there in people's homes and friends come over and play as the game gets out there on locations and people play it, they realize what a, what a great play field layout and, and how much stuff there is to do on the game. Uh, the rules, uh, the game obviously is beautiful. Um, I, I think it's a great, title it's probably my second favorite uh jersey jack game behind wizard of oz which is just you know going to be special to me just because it's the first one right um so is there any is there any truth to the rumor that they're going to stop producing pirates in march yes so from that, what i know yes okay and that I, is I, to make room on the line for the next title 
or to make yes. Wizard of Oz rerun? Uh, maybe yes, some of both. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know the exact answers. I can tell you that you know Wizard of Oz is is coming, and uh, it's it we're going to be doing a rerun of those. About you know I think Jack announced two hundred and fifty. I don't think I'm and now is sure. it, you know, a question I have about that because I think there's a lot of excitement that there's going to be like a final run of Oz, right? Two hundred and fifty. Uh, is it going don't to ever don't ever say final because that title's ever great it's never done well a question is it going to be are they going to go more towards like a pro version of the game where it's going to be more affordable or are they going to make these a more even limited sort of exclusive collectible uh i i'll answer part of that that i can answer confidently uh i don't think you're ever going to see you know they may prove me wrong at some point but i don't think you're ever going to see a jersey jack game stripped down uh features removed uh rules different from one model to the next um so the rumor of the in, like in terms the monkey, of a pro model the, the the rumor of like the monkey being yanked out for a more reliable mech is false there may be things that are going to be changed with the game and it's not for purposes of cost cutting uh it's for purposes of reliability and certain mechs that chris this this game hasn't had well other games don't have the opportunity to evolve because they're not usually on the sales block for as long anywhere near as long as the wizard of oz is because again it's a great theme um and it's it's a great game. So as it's just natural that as the game is out there in different iterations and different runs, that if there's something that they see, maybe not necessarily that it's problematic that everybody has an issue with this, but if there's mechs that were maybe a little bit more complicated than they needed to be, or mechs that maybe always didn't succeed in doing what they were supposed to do for the player, why not make them simpler? So it's not a cost-cutting thing, and you know, I, I've actually gotten this question asked a few times in the last couple of weeks, where people are asking exactly what you asked me, you know, is there going to be a cheaper version, a knockdown version, a pro version, similar to what Stern does, and is that what's coming? And no, you know, no, that's not, it's, you know, there are going to be some changes. I'll leave it to Jersey Jack to specify exactly what they are, but, you know, whatever changes they're making, it's not cost-cutting. It's, it's, you know, it's to make reliability issues better. We've seen this happen with Stern. When they Vault Edition Spider-Man, they made adjustments to the game. Now that the game game had been out for years, people forget Wizard of Oz was revealed to the world in 2013, right? 2000, well, yeah, well, product revealed in, well, announced in 2011, you know, revealed sometime after that, but production in 2013. So, you know, this game's been for sale for almost eight years now right so it only makes sense for them to now that they have all the information and you know to if they've got parts to make it and to improve it why not right and why wouldn't you improve it why wouldn't you make it better why wouldn't you try to minimize service calls or things where the customer is saying something doesn't work you know this the way it should on the game uh, at all times. And, and I'm not saying there's a failure rate with anything that's excessive. As a matter of fact, I've uh, honestly was a little surprised with some of the changes they're doing that, you know, I can't recall a lot of people complaining that, uh, you know, things weren't a hundred percent, you know, reliable at all times. And by reliability, I'm not saying that things are breaking down, but maybe that the intended aspect of the mechanics of the gameplay didn't happen only because there's, 
certain things, whether it be a magnet or other things that, you know, that they work sometimes and sometimes they don't. Maybe the ball isn't in the exact position it needs to be for a magnet to pick it up. Right. Um, You know, things like that. Maybe a switch isn't hit because there's not a, you know, a proper tolerance from, now, you know, when, the, when Jack said he was going to reveal two new games this year, is is this Waz one of them or no? We're going to see... No. Okay. No. And so we always talk about, and, and, and Joe, I know as a distributor, you want to see Jack reveal a game and be able to get people the game as quickly as the excitement is around the game, right? So do you think he's learned the lesson that you can't don't show it until you can ship it uh well let let me say this i'll I'll correct you in one aspect um and i've heard you say this on a lot of the podcasts where you use jack's name and yes jack's the face of the company and yes jack a lot of times is the person uh you know up on a stage announcing things or saying things but um you know, Jack may not have been the driving factor behind announcing Pirates when it was announced. Well, yeah, and I've said that too. I said it, 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 yeah. it was his was Jack, investor. Was, Jack on, the, was his, Jack on the stage? Yeah, no, his investor wanted to go and see, you know, I guess see what the excitement was. And and there was excitement. And I think it was, you know, it was a little bit of a premature ejaculation moment where like, yeah, it feels good, but like, it it wasn't it wasn't the right time, you know. And so I like I think I hope they've learned the lesson. And I, and I think it's clear that, and we see this time and time again when when you have the right game at the with the right reveal strategy, it's it's a take my money now moment. And with the titles we're hearing, Guns and Roses, Toy Story, and Wonka, uh, probably in reverse order of that. Um, People are excited, Joe. Like I've I've never seen pe- it's a, you know people as excited to to see what's next from Jersey Jack as they are in 2019. I think I, I think the next titles, you know, the themes at least coming out. You know, let's face it, they've got they've got the people. Um, you know, you got Keith doing programming. You've got Pat Lawler. And Eric, who absolutely did an amazing job with his first, you know, first game on Pirates of the Caribbean, just bringing so much, uh, you know, freshness, you know, no different than Keith Elwin did with Iron Maiden, which I think is an amazing play field layout. Whether you're a fan of the band or not, the game just shoots amazing, you know, Iron Maiden. And, and that's because Keith is is fairly new to design and, and he's got some fresh and fresh approaches and it's not going to be, you know, the same game that you're used to be you know from i'm not going to name any designer yeah, names yeah, but no, these are all great people Keith, but Keith game you know, when you walk really up to a steve ritchie game you know it's steve ritchie when you walk up to pat lawler yeah. you know it's pat lawler because of certain shots and the way it's laid out you know you you get guys like you know uh eric and, and keith you know new designers it, it makes it exciting but you know with jersey jack with um the people and the designers and the programmers and, you know, you got JP, uh, doing on, on the animations who, you know, from the beginning has done an amazing job with that. I mean, he's got a great team of talented people. There's never any question with that. You know, uh, the only things that have always been the question marks and you bring this up with Jersey Jack has been, you know, either the theme or the 
the way he reveals the game. And you always say it, he gets so far or the company gets so far and there's always something that keeps it, you know, all the games are home runs in my aspect, but there's always maybe something that keeps it from being a grand slam. And I think you're going to see a few grand slams this year from Jersey Jack pinball. It's exciting. I mean, I think everyone's excited. I I, I think this is going to be, a watershed year for them if they can do it right. And I just hope, I hope they just don't fuck you don't have up to the reveal. Uh, no, I just, you don't, you don't, it, those lessons and, and, you know, and I tried to say what I said, you know, the way I said it in terms of, you know, you kept saying, and I hear you repeatedly on the, on the podcast say, has Jack learned his lesson as Jack? I mean, don't think that, you know, that was Jack's choice to do things with pirates the way it was done because maybe maybe it wasn't um yeah you know, yeah but ultimately, you know, but ultimately i mean but that's the that's the so the there benefit. wasn't really a lesson there it's wasn't the, really a lesson to be learned it was more so of a i told you so type yeah, of thing yeah, possibly, but it's, it's so. the benefit and the downfall of of when investors have control over the company as well because it is called jersey jack Right, say like Gary Stern's name is Gary Stern. Stern Pinball does something. Yeah, we, do we really think that Gary made that decision? Right, and Gary's the one who's calling the shots over there. Absolutely not. It it, it is the investors of the group. So look, for the, yes, I think Jack found himself in a position where, as a salesperson, he probably knows that's not ideal. I just hope they learn their lesson this year. I think this could be a big year for them. So, do you think? Because we don't really know what's coming out. For, from Stern in 2019, we hear the rumors of James Bond, Superman 78, nothing, you know, a virus three, nothing truly, I, I think groundbreaking. And even when I look at Stern's themes recently, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really seeing the same juggernaut level of themes that they've had before of Ghostbusters, Star Wars, Batman, you know, they sort of running into a I think a thinner period of, of licenses but we'll see because do you think Superman 78 will be huge if that's even real or James Bond I, I, I think it could be from the aspect of uh, you know look at look at Batman I mean there's been other you know the thing that I don't love about that would be the repetitive nature of more superheroes and you know I, I mean not that there's been you know Atari did the spider the Superman game um you know but it's just a continuance of every other game, comic book you know, and music it, acts and, and music and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, and, and again, there's a draw with it. You know, I, I do think that um, monsters was, you know, it, it, my personal opinion, I think that was a grand slam theme uh, for them. Right. Um, I, we'll see. I mean, look, monsters is interesting because it is a little bit of a niche show. I think it doesn't have the same mainstream mass appeal. It's not a property that is, I don't want to say hasn't aged well, but it hasn't been relevant for so long. And so I think you do have to love the Munsters to want to own one. It definitely doesn't have the same fan base as a Toy Story or a oh, no. Willy no. Wonka. So I think those are bigger. So let's talk about Deep Root because they are kind of like the the Valkyrie boutique company coming out of like nowhere with a huge team with, you know, designers. You, you just engineers. used Valkyrie in a sentence. <laughs> I know. Right. That was impressive. I know. It's like the word of the day. Every time I say Valkyrie, uh, but do you, th- do you like, okay. With Jersey Jack, you were saying two grand slam 
you know, pins ready to go. We've never, you know, that's huge news or something to look forward to. Stern will never stop being Stern. They will keep hitting us with four to five titles, which we know they know how to get hype and excitement around. And then you've got Chicago Gaming, and then you've got American Pinball, and then you've got Deep Root, right? It just gets kind of crazy when you think about all them trying to jump into the ring. What do you think Deep Root's going to do? You know, that's a good question. I really don't, I don't have, you know, I don't think anybody does have any inside information or, or knowledge. I think even other companies have been, you know, curious on what's going to come out. I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head and I don't remember what podcast or if it was you or a guest that said it, but I think these guys are either going to hit a massive home run and flip the table a little bit and make something a little unique and a little different. That's still pinball, but a little different, you know, maybe similar, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be similar to like a pinball 2000, like, uh, revenge for Mars or, you know, the star Wars game, but they have the, maybe the possibility to make something a little bit different in terms of what we're used to expecting a pinball machine to be, um, you know, whether that's with mechanics of the game or design or look of the game or size of the game. I, I don't know. I've heard some different things. What have you um, heard? You know, I could tell you the one thing I heard, you know, and maybe this isn't even, I shouldn't even say this because it's, it's nothing I heard about deep root, but I know that at some point in time, some of the people that were in, that are involved with deep root had made some, and I mentioned the size of the game that they had made some for, for other companies had floated some ideas of different cabinet designs that aren't really your standard pinball cabinet designs and there's some curiosity as to whether some of those ideas from the people that are now employed by deep root um are going to be what we're going to see that's going to be a little bit different i'm not saying that's good or bad but i I know they were you know yeah they were they were different they were really out there and different and whether that would be accepted uh or not or whether it would be a really cool thing i mean and again you look at pin 2000 it's a different pinball shape than you know, what pinballs were and continue to be. And it did well. And it was an incredible platform that introduced something new. Yeah, but it also got, it got destroyed in sales by family guy it came out at the same time. And I think Stern learned a lesson then too, because you had all this new tech and innovation, right. And just like a, a good theme that looked like pinball, like trumped it. Right. So I think Robert with, you know, his main, his main games in his own collection, his personal collection, our Bally Williams games. I think he's he's not going to go too radical. I, I think if you've watched anything happen in this pinball industry over the last ten years, everyone who's tried to innovate too much has failed so hard. The modular system at Highway Pinball P three. Am I missing anything else? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think Jersey Jack he did he made pinball look a little bit more modern, but it was still pinball. Correct. Right. And I think everyone else has has done that as well. And I and I and I don't, I don't think you need to go like radically different. So and also, you know, for collectors, Joe, you don't want a game that stands out in a the wrong way, like a sore thumb in your lineup. You know, if you if you radically change the dimensions of a, of a, of pinball or the cabinet, it's gonna look weird when he gets home. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, if you if if something comes out um, that is unique and different and it's still a pinball machine, I mean, does it have to be three and 
you know, uh, you know, two feet wide and five and a half feet long. I mean, is that my favorite was when Papa Duke spent years making the Zidware games and he he made it a longer cabinet and then he couldn't find glass to fit it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Just like came up short. All right. Well, yeah, no, I, I think I think they're going to. I don't think for all the investment and all the energy that, you know, Robert Mueller has put into the company and I, I commend him for the people that he's hired, the number of people and, you know, also hiring, you know, and, and, uh, factoring in people that are doing storyboards. And, and I mentioned earlier about the storyline aspect to a game. I mean, you know, I, I think that could be a really cool, uh, you know, aspect of their games. If other companies are maybe not, you know, playing on that as much as maybe he is and integrating some, you know, some things that are done with video games and role-playing games and stuff like right. that, uh, that are popular now, I uh, getting that... you, getting you more into the game and whether there's technology, um, in some manner that can be integrated. I, right. I'm interested to see what they come I, I up think, with. I, think I, I just don't, where I don't see innovation is more in how, the coding and pinball, the pinball experience happens. And what I mean by that, I think we're going to see stuff where you can continue from where you left off. I think we're going to see just maybe some internet connectivity. I think we're going to see some stuff that is long overdue in terms of pinball. And, and you know, it's even like a pinball game. You Why can't you start a pinball game in 2019 and pick beginner, medium, or expert when you start the game? true right i mean that's all software what why, why is it why do i have to like go how 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 old school and sort of arcane is it to have to go into the menu system go to adjustments and do like each thing individually you know like because you can change all that like manually like it takes this many shots to complete each mode in batman but why why not just auto program it on different levels for skill level anyway i think we're going to see stuff like that but when do you think deep root when do you think they're going to reveal themselves to the world because tpf is no longer is a no-go now yeah i know and then it's yeah. like i was looking i was so looking forward to it the five days yeah it's crazy and you know i i've heard you say it's it's crazy even that you know it's in their backyard and not to but if it's not ready it's not ready i mean if if they're not done or they're not satisfied uh, you know, the, it's, it's big stakes. I mean, you don't want to, you know, come out with the game and, and not have prototyping or not have, they're coming out with multiple titles, you know, have one when promising four or, you know, three, maybe at, at first launch, uh, you want to do it right. So I, I commend them for, you know, I'm sure it was a hard decision, but I do commend them for standing back and looking at, you know, where they were going to be at that point in time and making a decision early enough to not hurt the show. And I'm sure they had maybe a lot of boot space reserved and, you know, not, not hurt the show or not have people purchase tickets specifically, you know, obviously there's other reasons people go, but you know, you, you don't want a, a, a kickback that, Hey, the week before the show, they, something that was supposed to be big there that maybe people were traveling to for their first time, traveling right. out of town for a show and taking a flight wasn't going to happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm commend them. It was done well, well in advance. And I don't think that hurts them in any way. I don't think it negates it anything. Opens, it, yeah. And it opens the door for the competitors to have a little bit more space to 
have you know have less competition. So, but what but what's interesting is with Deep Root bailing out on TPF, I, I I'm looking at the show and I'm like I don't really feel like anything is going to be revealed. I mean, we might get the new Waz game, which could steal the show there because. What else? I mean, it really could be Oktoberfest and Waz are the two new things at, it, it, in terms it of reveal. Will, yeah, it will be. I mean, and Oktoberfest is going to be, you know, even though people know it's it's coming and, and it was shown at, um, you know, at Expo in October, uh, you know, you're going to get a whole nother section of the country and maybe different people that don't go to expo experiencing that game for the first time. So I think it's going to be a good coming out party and great timing for American pinball in terms of sales and exposure and excitement. And and there's nothing else new at there at the show. And then obviously, you know, wizard of Oz is going to have a resurgence, uh, you know, a reintroduction, um, right. there, but yeah, there's, you know, I mentioned it early on. I mean, there's, there's going to be, which is unusual in this hobby with so many players. Now there's, we're in a low period in terms of which, which is good because it's, it's good that Oktoberfest is going to have a platform to get legs with. It, it's going to be good whenever Jersey Jack, which I think will be shortly thereafter, you know, maybe sometime late spring, um, you know, for their next game reveal, um, and I think you've got to get away from thinking because uh, trust me, I hear this from companies uh, constantly is as, as great as the shows are for our community and the hobby. I don't think that companies, and, and that could have been part of the hang up with pirates companies got to start not looking at shows to be the launching pad for a game and rushing something absolutely you know, beca- it, because there's a show coming and i think that's exactly what happened I mean, with pirates what, of the caribbean what happened to chuck i mean well great like it's almost a year later with that right and how i think he would have been much more confident and excited to re- reveal a game that had much further along code that he you know I, you could sense it when they were up there they knew it was really early they, they well there was also a time frame with alice and the license with that as well there there yeah, were but, some things but, going on with alice cooper made, right but but it's just weird because like you do it and i think you're right though i think look this also for a lot of these companies if their goal is to sell 500 or a thousand games uh you you don't have to spend the money going around to a lot of shows you've got pin side you've got other ways to get people your reveal you've got twitch you've got things at your disposal to get the word out you also have the ability to create high definition high res images and get people excited and reveal it with with the media you can do a lot uh and and do it when the timing is right the old way of doing it are the shows because the shows were meant to sell in to operators and they were scheduled those you know and it was all expo for the most part it was like scheduled to be an operator trade show uh that those days are gone there's no longer is that what am i buying to put in my arcade next year it's you know, it's 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 for the home collector for the most part. Yes, there are still operators for sure, uh, but you know, if I'm American Pinball, I'm showing up to TPF with with ten games in boxes yep. at my booth. Yep. And them and and they surely will. I mean, you look at Stern. Stern doesn't Stern doesn't abide by you know, and they're right there in Chicago. They don't abide by the show schedule. They purposely re- reveal around the shows now. You notice that it's always like, well. Like right after or right before, yeah, they yeah, they know. Yeah. Why bother? 
I, yeah, I, and I don't know it's an avoidance per se. You know, maybe in some respect, I do hear some chatter from companies wanting to see what else is being revealed and if it's a crowded, you know, if it's going to be a crowded field at a particular show, then that can be problematic because you don't want to lose your steam or get lost in the shuffle and and stuff like that. Um, right. You know, Joe, Joe, you'll I, be down at TPF, right? Yes. Okay. Course. Well, I I I, I got to check if if um if I can't if I can't make it, I might ask you to to represent me at the Twippy Awards that Saturday night. <laughs> Did you vote? Yes, of course I voted. Okay. I, don't, I voted I, for you, you. You voted for me. Thank you. I did, of course. There's one. There's one legitimate vote we can count because he said it on air. Um, it's it, it'll be a fun show. I'm really excited to see Jeff and, and Zach and, and 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 Greg put on a live award show. I think it's you know people are getting like too serious about the whole thing. I mean, it's really just a night to celebrate pinball and and everything we love about it. And no one's a loser. And no, you know, you make the short list of all these games. In terms of fan favorites, the top three in every category should be proud. I mean, there's a oh, of lot of good stuff happening in the hobby right now. I don't, I don't disagree. I think it's going to be a good year. I think uh, Stern started off fantastic with Monsters. I, I, you know, again, maybe you disagree. I, I think they did an incredible job with the theme. I think the artwork from Chris Franchi is amazing. Uh, I absolutely love the uh, black and white version and i'm going to answer your question you posed which i i was really perplexed that you you know even asked this question or were curious why they did it putting the black and white version on the premium versus the le i mean think about it if that's the if that's the attention getter and maybe one that people are going to think is really cool and want the le sell out so once they're done they're done so why not put something as unique as that on the premium that there's no limit to? Yeah, no, but it, it, I do think, look, I, I I think out of the two options, though, it's definitely the more polarizing. So you, people, either, people either love it or, or don't love it. I don't think people are like, everyone's not universally saying it's great. Like, and I also think the LE, though, should always be the most unique, holy cow, like I get what I spent my money on. And I think companies struggle with that because to your point, right, Joe, is like, well, if you make it too good, you only have a finite amount of chances to make money on it. And then you're kind of like screwed in a way. You've left money on the table. But it's it's finding that balance. I mean, we know that I hope Jack, this is the other thing with Jack. I hope he reevaluates the way he does his collectors, his limiteds and his you know, standards. I don't even, because to your point, I don't even think there is like a, such a thing as a standard Jersey Jack pinball machine. We don't sell many of them. Who I'll wants be one? I, I, saw well, some... I don't think there's anything wrong with them, but, no, but it's just you know, like, we, you, you will get operators, you know, we'll sell them the locations that obviously are looking to make the money back. But for the most part, when you look at, um, you know, what you're getting, you know, when you get, uh, the Invisiglass and you get, shaker motor at it and you get the powder coated trim and and a topper it's a no-brainer you're you're getting your thousand dollars extra of stuff and then you get the collectability aspect um do you think jack made a mistake because this is similar to monsters with the you know where to put the value not allowing the le guys to buy the topper with the ship in the bottle no not at all and and i i will say that there was i the 
the first phone call I got, I don't even think Expo was over, is I got a call from Jack, and Jack said, I got to take your temperature on a couple things. One of them is this topper. He goes, do we sell it after, um, you know, do we sell it to the LE models? There was such a, you know, such an incredible, I think it's probably one of the best toppers ever made the ship moving and uh, just a little the lightning noisy. strikes a little and, noisy yeah a little noisy yeah <laughs> um but it's just a great design on the topper so yeah. obviously there was a lot of clamoring and don't think that the company didn't look at it and realize that they can make a boatload of money by selling these toppers you know look, look stern sells theirs they do a very they get what are Hundred bucks, five hundred bucks for toppers. I that, mean, now, yeah, now, now it's getting know. embarrassingly. Like I saw the Deadpool ones, four hundred bucks for just like a piece of plastic. I'm like, my God, that's that's how much in so, that PlayStation Four cost. Yeah, they they could have sold these toppers and made some money. And and there was some discussion internally with the company immediately after that. You know, what do we do? And they made what I think is the right choice by the buyers in that. The people that are spending, and it's not, you know, it's not like they spent 500 bucks more. They're spending 3000 more. They're getting a collector's edition. They're buying it, and most of those people are buying it because they want to be, you say it a lot, they want to be part of that exclusive club, that they've got something that somebody else doesn't have. They've yeah. got the coolest features on a game that they can get. they got things that are limited, and I think it would have been extremely disrespectful to the people that, support that tier of pricing and put that much money down to say then you know hey thanks for your purchase but you know what over here we can make a lot of money by selling this really cool thing that we know you like and you're still going to get it but you know all that intangible stuff that excites you about spending that extra money that you know you're giving to us uh we're going to make we're going to make that we're going to sell it and we're going to make it available i mean so, you're talking to a guy who you know the my dodge demon wide body they, they they now slap the wide body look on every single model of the challenger like all the way down to the scat pack and it's it's just it loses some of like the appeal um but I'll, let me ask you one last question joe because we're at the hour point when you look at jack's games and you look at stern le's and you see how stern le's fly off the shelf do you still think Jack is just underpriced or is Stern just way overpriced? Because I, I just I can't look at both of those games at nine grand and be like, something's, something's off. Well, yeah, there's a disparity there in the product. For sure there is. Um, you know, you look at the size of the LCD. You look at, you know, the, the, the toys and the bill of materials and the features and the mechanisms on the game. Yeah, they're different. You know, and that's nothing against Stern. I think the game's are great, but, um, I don't think, you know, what's, what's the price of a Stern LE? I mean, nine grand and, but okay. Maybe is that their MSRP or what's their, what's yeah, their 89.95? What's the minimum price? Is that That's what it street is? street price now. Yeah. I mean, there's no, like that whole, okay. the era of like street price is gone now too. It's pretty much your pay. Maybe you get a couple hundred bucks off, but for the most part, uh, we're looking at nine grand out the door. Um, and that's pretty much what pirates Ellie is what 9500 95 yeah so right. I, I was thinking maybe the sterns would be around 85 or something like that you know with their minimum price which everybody sells at um see we but heard if it's nine from, grand, we heard from nick parks i mean it sounds like these games are only costing stern they definitely are costing them much less to make the 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 bill the bomb on a stern machine versus a jack machine that's got to be worlds apart right and 
I think Jack's margins can't be nearly as good as Stern's margins on the LE. The LEs are just gravy train for Stern. You know, that's why they want to sell those out as fast as possible, right? Get them out the door as fast as possible before people can change their mind and realize they might not be getting 9K worth in it, right? Because that is, that is all hype-driven, the LE. To an extent, sure. Right. So Yeah, think- but, 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 but in the same respect, you're going to get some intangible stuff from from Stern, you know, um, how many employees do they have there? 300, 400 right. working there every single day. I mean, bill and materials of what goes into the product isn't the only cost that the company has to make, make the game. It's also the size of their facility. It's their employees. It's how their many people work at Jersey Jack, Joe, like, uh, building a I game. don't, I, I don't know that number. Like 50. I don't think it's, I mean, it's not the numbers that Stern has, of course. Right. Right. Okay, well, and in, in, in terms of production, have you, I, I said that was my last question. One last question. Do you want, Jack, do you feel like production has been slow on Pirates or do you, you, you expect them to ramp up and get a little bit more efficient as we move forward? Because these hot titles are going to, you know, people, orders are going to be rolling in and do you want to, are they going to be able to sort of satiate those orders quickly this time around? I, I think it's, I think production has been pretty consistent with Pirates. Uh, I don't, you know, there's been no stoppages or, starts um roughly with, like on a, on a weekly basis how many games can that factory churn out you know i should know that answer and i i i don't um i'd be guessing because stern i think at, at capacity is like 50 games a day I hear. yeah it's not 50 a day i mean i i that i know it's it's not 50 i mean 50 a week maybe i no it's more than that a week you know I, and again i hate to even guess because then you know, I don't yeah. say the right number. Right, I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to find out next time we talk. Yeah, I I'll just, I'll just make a that. call. I'll, I'll make a call <laughs> and ask the question. Well, I do have one thing for you before we go. Sure. Which I, I hear you talk. I told you when you text me and said, hey, you know, can you do the podcast? I told you I was going to challenge you a little bit. Um, you always seem to have a reoccurring theme in a lot of conversations about different things of the hobby, whether it's pricing or uh, companies and what they're doing. You know, and I'm going to challenge you on this because I really disagree. Like from where I sit, I really disagree with your, you know, and I want to admit, you know, maybe it's not your true thinking, but you keep always saying that the hobby is filled with rich people and that's who's buying these games. That's who these companies are making the games for. That's who's making them successful. And Chris, it's not. I mean, you know, you, you mention a lot about millionaires and, and, you know, the number of people. Are there really rich people that do extremely well in life that love pinball and can afford to buy the games and can afford to buy the LEs and the collector's editions and stuff like that and buy every game or multiple titles a year. Yeah, of course there's, there's a lot of people like that. I have plenty of them as customers of mine. They're great people, but they're also, you know, they're, they're just pinball people. Right. And there are, you know, the numbers of games that we sell and the number of customers that I have that are not those people far, far outweigh the people that are just buying the games because they have the money and it's just money to burn. I have so many people that are just love pinball and they, they make really hard decisions on when so many titles are coming out, which one that year that is going to be the one game that they're going to buy. And they're, the people that are playing in tournaments or the people that are going to shows and they're a real big part of the people buying games. The new families coming in, they may not have the intention to buy 
six or seven games, you know, uh, over time, you know, some, some of them gravitate to that and they get the bug like a lot of us have. Uh, but a lot of those newbies coming in, they've just maybe drawn into, you know, we want to buy one or two games uh, for a family or kids are growing up and, you know, we, we kind of played it and we, you know, we like it. We don't think we're going to be nuts about it and they're expensive, but um, you know, so I kind of wanted to get right. challenge you a little bit on that because I hear it repeatedly from you about, millionaires well, I, and 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 rich people driving this hobby and i really disagree with that well do you think well and and and, and joe first of all I, I i appreciate um that insight right because from where i sit in my, as a listener <laughs> i as a listener yeah no I'm and what, from where i sit in my you know one bedroom apartment in new york city i'm not interacting every day with, with pinball buyers i mean that is why i love having people like you come on the show to provide that kind of insight right and i think sometimes my circle of friends within the hobby are more of like the collectors and I get a little bit sure. probably of a jaded point of view because, you know, I, I, I know guys who can buy like 10 pins on a whim and not have to care. But obviously at the volume they're selling these games out, you know, there has to be a, a, a more of a middle class purchaser of, of the pinball machine. I would have to say like if you're below the middle class and you're buying these new games, there probably is something you're doing wrong financially to do that though. Even if you love pinball, I do hope people are not, you know, spending a a large amount of their savings on pinball machines. I do think there's just a, you know, and, but again, like that we have one life people make their decisions with their money. I'm not here to tell people how to spend their money. Um, But I guess the thing is then in terms of what's driving it though, I mean, Obviously, it is the more fluent customer, uh, Joe, that's driven the prices up. No, it's not. Who, but but then, who drove the prices up? Who we all who did. showed Stern? We all that, did. Okay, we all did. Okay, so then, then then I guess my question for you, Joe, then have we all sort of shot ourselves in the foot by continuing to buy without really looking at these some of these games and being like, is the value there? Because when when I look at the way Stern's LE prices have jumped and skyrocketed and yet features are pulled out of games and we're still buying. So either we're not rich, then we're pretty stupid on some level to keep ab- I, gobbling you know, it up. I, 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 right. I, you know, let's face it. We go back in, in I'll, and I'll go back to a time when Stern was the, the, the only player and there weren't LE models and, and different models. You know, I, I've been doing this 20 years you know, I was buying new unbox games from Stern, you know, whatever it was, uh, the original Pirates of the Caribbean, Spider-Man, you even just go back, you know, 10 years or 12 years, they were, they were 4,500 bucks. That was a new, so the price happened? of a new, a new game. I'm going to tell you what happened. And <laughs> what happened is the LE model happened. And the LE model was a brainchild of, 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 of Jack, to be honest with you, when Jack was a distributor, uh, and Stern hit the business grand slam and they said, well, you know, we're going to make an LE model and it's going to be the same thing that you got before. And we're going to do something, you know, and the LE models weren't what they were today with the powder coating. Maybe they did like an Elvis and they put some gold trim on it and stuff like that. But, you know, it was just very slight differentiation. It wasn't, you know, drastically, there weren't, uh, you know, uh, th- there wasn't a mirrored backlash you were getting. There wasn't 
you know, sparkle in the powder coating. It was, this one's going to be gold and that's it. You know, Lord of the Rings, uh, Elvis, you know, Spider-Man black, you know, different little things like that, that they did on those early games. But the LE game at that point, and I know people on Pinsight keep track of what the price of games were, and it'd be interesting to go back and look, but I always, and I, from a business perspective, I admire it and I admire that they got away with it. But what Stern did is they made an LE game. They were selling games for 4,500 bucks day in and day out. Every game was around that range, 4,000 to $5,000 new in box titles. We know, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Wheel of Fortune, you know, mid 2000 era, uh, games. And then they came out with the LE and the LEs all of a sudden became 6,000 or 6,500 at that point. Then the backside of that, which was genius, is we're also going to make a pro version, which is a game that we're going to take stuff off it. And this is going to be, quote unquote, geared to the operators. You know what that game was? It was the same game you were buying before with stuff taken off. But you know what the price was? Forty five hundred. Right. So they 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 not only they won on both sides of the coin, they ended up taking stuff off a game and selling it for the same price. And you said this was Jack's idea. Was this when Jack was over there? Well, no, no, I'm not saying it was Jack's, the pricing stuff or anything with that with Stern, but the whole LE thing, all that stuff was Jack. And that's, and again, I, I admire Jack for his ingenuity in terms of salesmanship and doing something unique and creating excitement. Um, I, I know for a fact the, you know, I think the Elvis thing with the gold was Jack's idea. The gold Lord of the Rings was absolutely Jack's idea. The Shrek from uh, Family Guy to retheme that because it was a hard, possibly a hard game so to sell. So basically, Joe would happen to summarize, and and I think Jack all... as a distributor led to the LE movement right. and Stern started but, with but it slowly doing some of his little stuff. Right. Ultimately, what happened, and we're still living in that era era today which is they learned that they could make changes that would just cost them a few hundred dollars and charge and we will eat it up we will eat it up every day of the week so here we are i don't think where we're at now i don't think the companies stern jersey jack pricing or anybody that prices their game anywhere are doing anything obviously the first rule of business and marketing is you got to price it in that sweet spot where you're going to get a good number of sales and you're going to get you know adequate margin you price it too low you're going to sell too many for too less profit and that's not good you price it too high you're going to be sent with inventory in a box which isn't good either so um the 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 market will find that breaking point for price. And thus far, there hasn't been a breaking point. And everybody says, well, when's the bubble going to burst? And I don't think there is a bubble because of the reasons that I mentioned earlier, everybody expects that the pinball buying market is the people on pin side. And I laugh at that. It's not, you know, trust me, I sell the majority of my games to many people that don't even know what pin side is or care what pin site is they're, They just, you know, they may go there for information once in a while, but they don't live on it. They're not involved with threads and keeping up with them every day. Um, they think, or another group of people may think that the tournament players, that the, the circle that they're in 
that that's pinball and it's not there's there's so many different aspects of different types of collectors that myself as a distributor i see them because i interact with them because all these groups buy games you got the tournament guys and they buy certain types of games or certain price point games you got the collector guys that hey day one they want the most expensive thing that's out there that's exclusive you got the families and the new people that hobby that want just you know they really want to take their time they want to buy the best game. They want to go try them out. Uh, there's people with maybe not a lot of money that are only going to buy a few. So there's a whole mess of people there and the hobby continues to grow. Right. You see and the it majority, more. It sounds like the majority, the, the majority of buyers are more of your, your casual game room purchaser. I think it's 50, 50. I think, I think you're going to get 50% of the people that are really passionate and it's something that, you know, like you and, and me involved, you know, we're doing something with pinball every day. We're thinking about it. We're, we're jonesing right. about it. We're excited about it. And then there's people that buy the games and, and, you know, they, they, may, never, do a, they, they may, never do a single code update. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, it happens. And, and, it happens. You know, and then, uh, and they don't know what games, they're missing because they don't know what they're supposed to have anyway. There's people that I sell games to and I don't hear from them for three years. And then all of a sudden they'll call me back and they say, Oh, I've had this game for three years. Uh, what's new? Has there been, and sometimes I chuckle, has there been anything else new since I bought the wizard of Oz in 2015 and I blow their mind? Well, yeah, you know, I got 50 choices for you. Right. Um, so there, there's, those you know, people are, the, the, those people are living the dream, Joe. Like they, they're, like it's they're a not, curse. We wake up every day thinking about they're this. They're not consumed by it. Right. Like, like I was saying something to a friend today. I was like, look, if you just don't go on pin side, if you just don't go. You won't ever wake up and hear any any news about a new pinball machine a- anywhere unless you're, again, like connecting to friends on Facebook who are all into pinball. But if you just don't go to a certain few places and don't, you know, if you get off of social media, you're, you're not going to walk down the street and see a new pinball machine in the window or read a news story about a new pinball game. It just doesn't happen. It's so True. niche. It, it is, niche. but it's it's but it's but it's growing. And it is growing, when, but you're when, not going to see it on like the Grammys or no, not see the like, no. celebrity game room. It just you just don't see it as much. But anyway, um, I think that's a. I think you you bring up a really good point. Now now look, I guess my question back to you is, who is driving the market, and is are any manufacturers out there? You think? I mean, hitting that market on 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 the head or in the bullseye i mean obviously stern is doing it the best because they do have the they have something for five thousand or nine thousand of the same theme doesn't that help them sure it does i mean yeah yeah I jack mean, is like you you got to spend a ton and then you got to spend a ton more if you're like a collector like twelve thousand five hundred at that point you've got to be somewhat rich i'm sorry stern stern hits all aspects of people with pricing and and they develop a client base based on that i think the other thing that stern does really good is um you know with with the marketing and and you know i think zach sharp is doing a a really good job you know obviously a lot of the tournament stuff but look at all the exposure i'm always really impressed when they come out with their launch party list and and you know i saw the one come out last week for the monster monsters and there's you know, 30 locations on there that are doing parties, not just that have the game, that's nothing. But the fact that there's 30 different locations advertising, promoting their product, that's great. 
Yeah. That's good it, for well, pinball. It's a, it's a lifestyle brand. And they tap into that now. kind of stuff. Apparently, it's a lifestyle brand. <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody say that? No, that's what the, that's how Zach refers to it. It's a lifestyle brand. That's how they that's how they talk about it in their own press releases. It's not a pinball company. It's a lifestyle brand. Um, anyway, I, I get what they mean. You can you can buy apparel, and you know I can wear stern underwear maybe next year. Anyway, Joe, always a pleasure. We will have you on soon. If you're at TPF. Guys, look out for Joe Newhart. Awesome dude. You'll have a booth there, Joe, for Pinball Star? Uh, no. I, I go as an intend, attendee. There's uh, a lot of uh, my friends and peers that are distributors that uh, are more local to that area. So that's uh, that's their okay. home base. And and uh, there's plenty of uh, companies set up booths there and a lot of distributors. Sometimes there's a little bit too much overlap. Okay. But I do get a chance to meet a lot of my uh my customers uh, from both Texas and all around the country. I love going to shows. I, I try to get it to as many as I can throughout the country, California, Chicago, and of course the East coast shows. And uh, we got Allentown coming up in May. So I'm going to have an incredible booth there with all the new stuff that we've been talking about and, uh, and, and, you know, looking to make that show really exciting. I hope to see you there this year. Yeah, I'm always, planning always, I can it drive out. to that one. I'm, I'm always, I'm always there. It, it just and you know what I always say this and I go to Texas I go to Expo everything's always at Allentown everything it's not as glamorous for sure no of course not yeah it's not, it doesn't have the same kind of like you know hang out late at night in the hotel and let's get drunk because the wife's not here kind of vibe going but it's, it it just it has fun. a pin it's got the pinball feel it doesn't have the we're here because there's something new we're here it's got the we're here because we, we love pinball. We're going to see all the same people we see every year. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of the other non-event shows, which, again, you know, Expo in Texas seem to be, you know, those two that hold the mantle. But a lot of the other shows seem to be just local gatherings that friends can see each other again that, you know, you haven't maybe connected with in the last year or people you just talk to, you know, by email or on Pinside or stuff like that. So, right. uh, yeah, pin, uh, PinFest in Allentown is always lot of great fun and they got a great uh you know the flea market area and a lot of old games and just a, a great you know you look at a show like allentown it blows expo away in terms of the number of games that people can play i mean you're literally looking at hundreds versus you know uh you know one room of free play games at something like they expo need just, stern needs to take expo over and do it right it's in their backyard anyway well that that's for a, a later that's date another, conversation another story Joe, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to 2019 and, and, and seeing what's new from, from our friends at Jersey Jack. We'll, we'll have to do this at the end of the year and, and see if your um, opinion of, uh, you know, missing the mark a little bit yeah, each we'll, time we'll, we'll is We'll do it before is, then. We'll get you on before, before then. All right. Sounds good, Chris. Right, Thanks for everything. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right, so that was Joe Newhart, ladies and gentlemen. I always enjoy talking to Joe, it, it, again, because distributors are on the front lines. They see who walks into their establishment and who is really buying these games. And we talk a lot on this show about the expansion of pinball, who these companies are marketing these games towards. And we hear it time and time again, though, for the most part, what really attracts someone to a pinball machine is the theme. The theme is like the number one thing. Imagine if you don't really know much about pinball, how to how to progress through a pinball game. Uh, you're really going to gravitate towards a theme that 
uh, you have a connection to. And that is why we do beat the theme drum so much on this podcast. Uh, the other thing is, you know, how enjoyable is it for people to play pinball machines? And I think we hear that a lot, that oftentimes these games are getting so complex, so confusing to understand when you first flip them, uh, that they can be a little bit of an immediate turnoff. We also heard a lot from Joe on the realities of Jersey Jack. And I'm going to do another separate podcast on just some like news updates on Jersey Jack Pinball. I'll probably upload that tonight as well because I just want to talk about uh, what I think is going to happen at Jersey Jack Pinball and set some of the records straight on, on a lot of the speculation that's been going on. We've got some, some info that everyone should just know about. And I think it's going to excite you. I think it is going to be a big year for Jersey Jack Pinball. Uh, but Jack seems to... Uh, have been forced into some compromising moments in which he had to show stuff very early on. And I think we're um, I think we're not going to see that again because I think the people who are or the person who was making him do that uh, is no longer at Jersey Jack Pinball, okay? And look, one thing I just want to sign off on on this show, and I've been asking for someone to come on the show now for a few weeks, and you can't criticize me for for being unfair towards my assessment of a game like Pirates of the Caribbean. I've been asking over and over again for someone who has the game or understands the game for them to please come on the show and have a conversation with me and explain to me and my listeners uh, what you love about the game, how you've found the game to be approachable, and, and just let's talk about it because I can't figure out how to get into the game on my own and that's not my fault i just i don't want to plow through rule books and you know thread after thread after thread of people trying to explain the simplicity we all know that the best way to understand how to play a game is to actually spend a lot of time on it and there's no better place to do that than in a home use environment and i've played pirates about maybe 20 30 times uh, down in New York City on Stone Street. Uh, but again, the offer's there. And if you like this game and you want other people's other people to like it, then I think you should join us and, and talk about it. I mean, is that fair? I think that is me being fair. And the same goes true with any pinball machine out there. Uh, oftentimes, I, I know I say things about Houdini. I say things about Rob Zombie. I say things about certain pinball machines that I don't think shoot very well, Star Wars. And I always always open the floor for those people who are fans of those machines to come on and explain why I should change my opinion about it and why other people who listen to this show uh, should start to think a little bit differently about these games. So I just want to let you guys know, canadapinball at gmail.com is how you can get in touch with me. Um, Final point is, you know, when Joe is talking about who buys these games, and oftentimes we always like to think that we are the only people that are entitled to this hobby. And by that, I would say you've got the collectors and you've got the tournament players. And if what Joe is saying is accurate, about half of people who buy pinball machines every year don't fall into either one of those buckets. They don't go on to Pinside. They don't enter pinball tournaments. They simply buy a game because they want something fun for their house. And it doesn't mean they're a millionaire. It doesn't mean they're super wealthy. It, they just want a nice toy. And pinball is something that millions of people uh, are aware of and have fun playing. Okay, so, I mean, that is, that is a little eye-opening, right? But, but, it, but it's not surprising. 
Because sometimes I think that we, we fall into a little bit of a vacuum. And we see it all the time. It's like people on Pinside, you get two guys who have issues with their game and, and they're screaming and it sounds like every single game is shipping with problems. But the truth is probably anything but that. That even though a few of us who have megaphones and constantly uh, can cry about it, right, on a, on a public forum or, 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 or repeat ourselves frequently on a podcast, it can start to amplify the issues as if they're more widespread than they really are. Now, that being said, that being said, I still think that the only company out there right now that is successfully marketing games to everybody, right? So think about it. Which company is making games that the tournament guys can get into, that the home collector can get into, and that the casual person who just wants a fun theme in their house can get into? Only Stern Pinball right now has figured that out. And they are that is why they are what they are. Because they're hitting uh, every target on on at the you know in the middle of the bullseye. They are giving everybody what they want. Now look, if if the one target that they're not appeasing the most is sort of the diehard high-end collector, they don't care because they also know that the high-end collector is, is almost more addicted to collecting and buying and needs new stuff. And they simply win those people over uh, with with volume and cadence. And, and they get you four to five new things you can buy a year. And they know, even though you're, you know, you're very opinionated, they know you'll cave and eventually buy one or two of those games. And I see it all the time. I've been talking, I don't want to name names here, but I've been talking to some of my friends who bought a Munster's LE. And I asked them, did you play it? And they're like, no. And it's like, well, why'd you get it? And they're just like, they really, they can't really say why other than I think it's cool and I think it'll shoot well, ah, but really they just have an addiction to getting a couple new pins a year. And I understand why. I understand why. All right. But there is a huge audience out there that, uh, you know, is, is underrepresented. It's underrepresented within the podcast world. It's underrepresented at the pinball shows. I'm always surprised too when you go to pinball shows and you bring up Pinside and some people are just like, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know pinball podcast. What is that? Anyway, so here's to getting people more representation. Here's to more positive podcasts in the future. Everyone, love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And we will be back with some Jersey Jack episode probably tonight. Bye.